0: Willow, can I ask you something? Yep. <laughs> what was it?
1: The damned thing. Woo! Yes, it was. Jokes. It
0: was it not even jokes. That
1: just we, the truth. Just the truth. This story
0: is could literally be a sequel to what was it, and the title actually answers that question. It does. Amazing. We are dealing with invisibility again. Kind we are dealing of. with a person who is attacked by an invisible thing again. Yep. Uh, and we are dealing with a a narrator sort of who may or may not be taken seriously by the people around him. Definitely there's, is not. <laughs> there is so much going on in this story, and it is like what, like five pages long?
1: Yep, this story has I think four chapters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, four four chapters.
0: Yeah, four chapter story. It is a five minute read.
1: Yeah, it is. I read it right before the uh, the recording.
0: Yeah, it is. It's it's a it's a breeze, but but. As as stated, a lot happens in. It. Uh, it's just, it's very economical. Uh, yeah. But before we get into that mess, everybody, I'm Phil.
1: And I'm Willow.
0: And it's, it's, Del Toro Del Toro time.
1: Time. it's Del Toro Time. It's Del
0: Toro time. It's Del Toro time. We're back. We're bad. We're hacks we're sad. (laughs) It's Del Toro time. Are
1: we hacks?
0: Yes, we are nature's hacks. We are the hackiest hacks. I got called. Do you want to know what I got called today? What I got? I got called a name today. And because I'm an old, I had to look up what it meant. Because I'm like, I don't know what these words mean. This is like, this is like modern slang. I got Mm -hmm. called a professional yapatron 3000. (laughs) Uh, I got called a professional yapatron 3000 on a a YouTube comment. I had to look it up. Apparently a -a patron is someone who is who talks a lot without saying anything but thinks they have a lot to say Rude. and and I'm I'm gonna take that as a compliment. I'm gonna take that as like. The Have they
1: never heard of ADHD? That's literally all we do. Plus, I was talking about the
0: Berenstein Bears. I was like, what do you expect me to do? Talk about talk sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I feel like a professional yapatron 3000, and that's where I I that that's that's what I'm. You should uh, get a
1: shirt that says that
0: professional yapatron 3000. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it, but also like, what if it's somehow like a white supremacy dog signal? I don't know. Like, I just worry that <laughs> I worry that all like words that I'm not intimately familiar with are actually actually like somehow <laughs> horrifically offensive.
1: I don't think professional Yapatron 3000 is, but I'm not uh, the dictionary of modern white supremacy uh, dog whistles, so. Or
0: the Devil's Dictionary, which was written by Ambrose Bierce. What do you Ambrose know? Beers. <laughs> Ambrose
1: Bierce. Ambrose Bierce. Oh, by the
0: way, uh, it is, uh, what is this called? A Fabulous Formless Darkness. I've got it right here. A fabulous the, Formless Darkness.
1: In the uh, Dark Descent by yes. our boy David G. Hartwell. David edited. G. Hartwell. Uh,
0: which is what we're covering, which is why we is what we're talking about we've been we have been covering the stories of the dark descent now for seven years eight (laughs) nine ten years 20
1: 20 years however long since i was born
0: It's not a long book, but it's taken us a while. Uh yes, and we're on the third part, a fabulous formless darkness, which is all about uh psychological horror, but like also real horror. Like it's real like, stuff.
1: I feel like the wasn't the last section about psychological horror? Yeah,
0: what is it? It's like it's this is about like an indefinable horror. Maybe that's yeah. what Yeah, because Medusa and the Shield was psychological. This is like sort of indefinable, something weird's going on, but we can't you can't really pin it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and what a better way to to talk about it than with invisible boy uh the ultimate invisible boy ambrose beers he disappeared uh into and nobody
1: the, knows where he went
0: and nobody we know where he went he went to mexico yeah uh, <laughs> we, we don't know why he disappeared but it's probably because he got shot or because he was 71 years old and he went to mexico to join Pancho Villa uh, <sighs> uh as a journalist but ambrose Bierce. what can you tell me about ambrose beers
1: Anything? nothing uh hang on give me a second that, well you, uh... don't, you
0: don't have to do your homework now i'm i'm perfectly willing to uh to fill you in if you're interested.
1: Uh, according to our editor, Ambrose Bierce is after Poe, the greatest American horror writer of the 19th century, Could which be. is a really specific title.
0: The greatest American horror writer of the 19th century. Uh, I mean, I, I can I can agree. I would say he's even more prolific than Poe and mm-hmm. probably a, a much more fun person to hang around. Yeah. Uh, did you know that he had siblings? No. Did you know, did you know that his siblings were named Abigail, Amelia, and Addison, Aurelius, Augustus, Almeida, Andrew, Albert, Ambrose, Arthur, Aurelia His Adelia, sibling was
1: named Ambrose? And
0: Aurelia. What?
1: His sibling was named Ambrose? Did he have two siblings named Aurelia?
0: I believe his name uh, was Ambrose Beers. I, I, I Ambrose was him. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 but he has... An Aurelius and an Aurelia are are his siblings. But yeah, all of his siblings had an A. Uh, He and his siblings all had A names, which I find very annoying. Uh, But also, that's a a lot of kids. That's a a lot lot of kids. kids. Because his parents were poor, but literary. They loved to read. They taught him how to read. He loved to read. He left home at 15 uh, to become what is known as a a printer's devil of course (laughs) a printer's devil which i had never heard of but is what they call it it's just an apprentice like an apprentice apprentice uh such famous people as benjamin franklin walt whitman and mark twain started out as printer's devils
1: why are they called printer's devils that's awesome
0: uh it was a humorous term for boys who were covered in ink quote From Joseph Moxon, Whence the workmen do jocosely call them devils, and sometimes spirits, and sometimes flies.
1: Printers,
0: devils.
1: There you go. History lesson of the day.
0: A famous printer's devil was Titivulus, uh, referred to as the original printer's devil, uh, who was a who was apparently uh, uh, g- uh, sort of a gremlin. Like people consider, like if things went wrong, Titivolus was to blame. Uh, okay. They bla- <laughs> he was blamed on the uh, the uh, omitting the word not in the ni- the 1631 authorized version of the Bible, uh, which resulted in Exodus 2014, reading, "Thou shalt commit adultery." <laughs> printer's devils. <laughs> hell yeah. Literally hell yeah, though. So, yeah, Ambrose Bierce, he's born to this poor family, grew up in a log cabin, uh, was exposed to the abolitionist movement at a young age, which sort of established his, like, beliefs uh, uh, in criticizing Puritan values and societal norms. Uh, he joined the American Civil War, uh, got, uh, participated in battles like Shiloh and Kennesaw Mountain. He was a topographical engineer under General William Babcock Hazen, uh, where he was, like, He was considered a great fighter in the Civil War. They were like, this guy's brave. He was commended for his skill. Uh, He Mm -hmm. met a lot of famous people, and that influenced his writing. So he wrote a lot of war stories. He wrote memoirs. He dealt with PTSD explicitly on the page. Uh, He was very anti-war. He was very pro-human, pro-people, and uh, was very critical of the nature of human conflict. Following his military career, he went into journalism uh, in San Francisco. He was known for his wit, his cynicism, his observation of American societies. Nobody liked to hang around him because he was going to gossip about you. Uh, He was opposed to the railroad refinancing bill. And his coverage of that uh, highlighted his commitment to journalistic integrity and his ability to influence public opinion. He ended up writing *The Devil's Dictionary*, which was like his first, bi- his like big, big hit originally, uh, which is which is a hilarious dictionary uh, defining terms the way the devil would define them. Uh, he became one of the most influential of American writers. And then uh, in 1913, at the age of 71, he left Washington uh, to go tour the Civil War battlefields that he had fought on. Uh, he headed towards Mexico to join. Pancho Villa as an observer and to like interview him and like travel with Pancho Villa during the Mexican Revolution um people loved Pancho Villa he wanted to get to know him Uh, On December 26, 1913, he wrote to his friend Blanche Partington from Chihuahua, Mexico, that he was leaving tomorrow for an unknown destination, and that is the last anyone ever heard of him. Uh, He then thus entered into uh, not only the the history of American letters, but the history of of North American mythology, as many theories were posited as to what happened to Ambrose Bierce, but the the facts are he probably just died because he was 71, entering a war zone uh, with one of the most charismatic Mexican... And, uh, revolutionaries of all time. So, Ambrose Bierce, ladies and gentlemen. What a sometimes,
1: guy! Sometimes the, the answer is the simple answer.
0: <laughs> sometimes the answer is, you were 71 years old in 1917. 13, right? 1913, sorry. Uh, and, uh, and you probably died if not from being shot, if not from being starved or dying of thirst, then you died of being 71 years old. I think mm-hmm. that's probably what happened. That doesn't stop writers from speculating. He became a literary, There's like a whole series of of, like mystery novels like the adventures of ambrose <laughs> Bierce solving mysteries like he is a literary, he is a character he is a literary character because people are like whatever happened to ambrose beers he probably died at the age of 71 with bunch of his army
1: i hope so the stories like this are like are why i like hope that there is an afterlife so, so that like people know what has become of their legacy <laughs> <laughs> he
0: he also i mean he he had two sons uh who died young mm-hmm. uh his first, he had a son named Day, D-A-Y, uh, who was rejected uh, by a, a woman he was in love with, um, and then he shot her uh, and her fiancé, and then he killed himself. Uh, she and her fiancé lived, as far as I can tell. And then his son, Lee, died of pneumonia uh, brought on by alcoholism. So he had a pretty unhappy family life. And then his wife separated from him in, in 1888 uh, after discovering compromising letters to her from an admirer. Um, and then she died the following year. So he, was, he, ha- he had a lot of tragedy in his life, mm-hmm. a lot of trauma.
1: That is true uh, of a lot of the writers we read.
0: <laughs> that's true, uh, and it's and it comes out in his writing a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. He has no he has no patience for fools. He has no patience for unnecessary conflict and violence. But he's not above writing about violence, writing about conflict, and writing about spooks and ghouls and ghosts. So,
1: ghosties. is th- getting into the story my first question? Let's. Uh, is this a self insert?
0: Which character? Which character would you say is a self-insert?
1: See, it could either be the coroner or it could be the journalist. Testifier? Oh,
0: the testifier.
1: Yeah. I don't know if he, he's a writer. He writes stories, but he said something about sending something to a newspaper. Uh-huh. The account you posted to your newspaper. So it could be either one. Yeah. Or it could uh, be both.
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to say the deceased. Oh, uh, well, it could be that because too. Because we also get a lot of a big look inside the head of the deceased.
1: It could be Uh, all three.
0: Or it could be a composite of all three. Um, But before we get into that, why don't you tell us... Okay, The Damned Thing (laughs) is the name of our story. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was written... uh, It was published in Town Topics, the Journal of Society, uh, a magazine uh, published in New York City on December 7th, 1893. Um, Town Topics was also known as Andrew's American Queen, Art, Music, Literature, and Society, and American Queen. (laughs)
1: More A's. It's just all A's.
0: It was it was a gossip rag. A lot of what mm-hmm. it was was a trash rag that Ambrose Beers wrote for. Um but yeah, the damn thing appeared in eighteen ninety three. Uh why don't you go ahead and tell us what this story is about?
1: I'll go section by section.
0: Okay. It should take you about two minutes.
1: Yep. The first section called One Does Not Always Eat What Is On the Table. Which is, is great. Yeah, that's a great title um is basically we open up with uh the coroner Mm -hmm. uh reading the journal of the deceased man on his table yes and he has a room full of eight other men in there with him who are all being deadly silent and they're like, they're like small town folk yeah. uh, from like up in the mountains. Um, and they're waiting for somebody to show up, uh, a young man who does show up and is like, sorry, I'm late. I was busy posting stuff to the newspaper. Yeah. Uh, and they were like, oh yeah, sure. The, the account that you gave to the newspaper, that's definitely 100% going to ma- match the account you gave here. Right. Totally. He's <laughs> like, <"Y-> yes. <laughs> um... And basically it it begins with the introduction of William Harker, our first narrator or second narrator, kind of.
0: Right um, There's an objective narrator. Mm-hmm. and then there's William Harker, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, who not the, he he's clearly not taken seriously by these people because he's a city boy. Yeah. Uh, and pretty much immediately uh, the coroner makes fun of him. But it turns out that there's this is like a court. Hearing kind of small town.
0: It's an inquest. It's what yeah. you would call an inquest. Like there's a jury there, but it's in the dead guy's cabin. Yeah. And yeah, they've like gathered a bunch of local men to sort of like feel out what's going on here.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and the witness begins to testify, but he doesn't testify from memory. He testifies from a written uh account, like manuscript from his pocket, uh, and he testifies in story format which i love because clearly that's the only way one can testify yeah uh which leads us to the second section what may happen in a field of wild oats Mm -hmm. um which is basically just william harker's testimony uh he was visiting the deceased named morgan hugh morgan um because he wanted to write about hugh morgan's solitary lifestyle yeah uh and while they were out hunting uh hugh or morgan i guess is how they refer to him uh starts freaking out uh and is basically like there's like there is something in the bushes, the damned thing. They name drop the story which you know, always always high high quality. Always a um, highlight. Yeah. And William is like what are you talking about? There's nothing there uh until Hugh shoots the creature uh with his quail hunting gun. Yeah, the hunting yeah. quail. Yeah, um, and it doesn't do much. Uh, it makes the creature really angry and the creature rushes at uh, Morgan, but it's hard for William to really tell what's going on at first because there's smoke because of the gunshot. Um, and he finally, finally sees what's going on and Morgan is being like contorted and grabbed by invisible hands and there's no creature there even though uh, Harker can like felt the creature run into him and stuff. Yeah. Um, and basically by the time he got out out of his like shock of what was going on to rush over to help uh Morgan was dead.
0: Yeah. Horribly dead. Horribly like, dead. Yeah, like torn asunder.
1: Mhm. Uh that ends that section. Section number 3, a man though naked may be in rags.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cuz uh, cuz he's torn to pieces.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh the coroner is like, "Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what happened." <laughs> uh sure buddy uh they they look at the dead body and the dead body's clearly been torn apart by something yeah um he's like all right guys we don't have any more evidence except for this guy's testimony you all go talk amongst yourselves to decide what happens um he the our our good old william harker gets insulted again uh one of them asks what asylum he escaped from, and the coroner is like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> and asks the question. And Harker... Harker doesn't rise to the bait, though. Yeah. Like, he gets embarrassed, but he just kind of brushes off the, like, insults and stuff. He doesn't really respond to them. Um, I mean, he says, I guess, if you have done insulting me, I suppose I can leave now, because he clearly wants out of there.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: Um And... Then he as as soon as he goes to leave, he's like, "Can I like take a look at that journal that you got, that Morgan's journal?" And the coroner's like, "No." He's like, "All right, bye."
0: <laughs> well, so uh, what I like is they're they're like, "Let's go." Okay, so you heard this guy's testimony about his friend being attacked by an invisible monster. They're like, "We're gonna go figure out what what we're gonna decide about this whole thing." They come back and they're like, "So we're all agreed it was like a bobcat. Mm-hmm. He was attacked by a bobcat." And they're like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, it's a bobcat." And he's like, "Well, what about all the what about all the all this?" They're like, "You're you're nuts." He's like, "But what about the guy? He has a journal. Like he." kept the journal up till his death they're like yep auto important tossing it aside and our yeah and our hero who we think is kind of supposed to be the main character he then just walks out of the story because, honestly
1: smartest horror story protagonist of all time
0: <laughs> because the final section is the journal
1: yeah the final yeah. section is uh snippets of hugh morgan's journal describing an escalating like paranoia and understanding of what is going on yeah Um, and the last entry is the longest, uh, and basically it ends with him being like, I understand now. Uh, We just, we can't see the creature because the creature is of a color that is beyond us.
0: Yeah. So the final section is kind of a scientific treatise. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's this guy's slow descent into, I won't say madness, but he's being driven out of his head by this invisible something that is stalking Mm -hmm. him. He lives in this cabin with his dog and there is something that his dog keeps reacting to that he can't see. Yeah. And so he's kind of like lies in wait for it. He, he, uh, he like he focuses on like observing he observes nature he looks for movements in the oats uh he arms himself he gets more and more paranoid as he goes out uh and finally he invites uh, uh our Harker Harker there. To ob- to see if he can see it too, he's like this. If I'm not nuts, this guy'll be able to see it.
1: Yeah, uh, and because because he he knows that Harker has is level headed. But he also
0: whatever. he also begins speculating. He's like, okay, if there are if there are sounds that humans cannot hear because they're outside our range of hearing, and if there are lights, if there is are wavelengths of light that we cannot see because mm-hmm. we because we're not equipped to see it, then there must be like colors that we can't see. Which means that if there are creatures that are of this color. Yeah that make this noise we would not be able to perceive them therefore there can this thing can be this thing is an invisible monster yeah uh, which i don't know if that actually scientifically makes sense i think if you can't see a color it would just look like a shadow like or like, an, like a i like guess a blank spot like the light wouldn't mm-hmm. reflect off of it effectively yeah, i don't know
1: like the... dogs can't see certain colors but they can still see like movement and right. shadows and stuff like, i can't the...
0: we can't see light... the infrared colors of a of a flower but the flower is still there um, just...
1: yeah light still reflects off of things you can't necessarily make out
0: <laughs> right well this of course being a the 1800s when this was written and B also like speculative. it's speculative science fiction mm-hmm. like he's trying to he's doing that thing where it's like i'm trying to lend some possibility to this spook him up and yeah. because what year what year was what was it do we know what year that was? It's a story right uh, before this. Didn't we just do, what was it?
1: What was it? A uh, Beautiful Stranger was right after, was before it. Uh, it was, he was, well, it was before the Civil War.
0: right. Right. So yeah, so what was it comes out first? Mm-hmm. Then the, so what was it is dealing with kind of just a goblin, like a thing yeah. that's invisible. This is dealing with a thing that's invisible that we're we are filtering through a scientific prism. It's, we're the, like,
1: it's the evolution of of uh literature.
0: Yes, yes, it's very building much so. and
1: building and building.
0: Uh to it to an extreme degree. And in fact, uh where is it? There is a trying to find ah uh Ambrose Bierce was a huge huge influence on Robert Chambers who we mm-hmm. covered uh and there's a this is not my original uh idea but uh there's like a like, there's like a uh there's there's what was it there's the damn thing a lot of people point to uh, AE Van Vogt's Black Destroyer which is considered like the like first modern science fiction story like of the 20th Mm -hmm. century uh and then john campbell's who goes there uh and then up to and including like at the mountains of madness the narrative of arthur gordon pym as kind of this declension this like development of this of the short story like the horror story Mm -hmm. that all deal with unknown entities that aren't ghosts and they aren't like in like they're almost unknowable in the yeah. sense that we don't know what they want, we don't know why they're here. Their motives are vague. Their appearance is vague, mm-hmm. and there is just this horror in the in the unknown and the unfathomable. Mm-hmm. That it's it's that sort of development of weird fiction. It's like and that
1: Doctor Who episode,
0: the one where the girl draws the scribble that comes to life.
1: No, what?
0: The one where the boy turns no, into a garbage can. the one where the doctor
1: go almost nearly drives himself insane by by like considering the the possibility of creatures that can't. seen because nobody has developed the senses to see them yet all right it is
0: kind of like that isn't it (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) we don't have the senses to see the damn thing also i was surprised i thought the damned thing was going to be like the damned thing like it's been Mm -hmm. damned no it's literally just him calling it a damn thing Oh, where's that damn thing? Oh, that yep. damn thing. I was like, oh, okay. Like it's, which means, of course, we're allowed to say damn because that's the name of the story.
1: Yep. Uh, Do we not say damn? No, we, say, we can say damn. Yeah.
0: That's not a real swear anymore. Not in 2024. No more. Definitely uh, not. Definitely not in 2024. So yeah, so we've got this story that you had set up top though, that you had thoughts. You were like, I don't even know if this is an invisible thing. What are you talking about? <laughs>
1: Well, cuz to me the the idea of an invisible creature is something supernaturally invisible, right? Okay. <laughs> like the goblin creature. This is this feels more like just a chameleon-esque type of thing.
0: Like a predator.
1: Yeah. So it's not invisible. It's just hard to see. <laughs> but I mean, uh, the
0: predator's <laughs> invisible.
1: I'm okay, not the predator, but like I don't know, it just it it feels I think it would have been better if the creature wasn't invisible, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but
0: then it'd just be a creature. No,
1: hear, hear me out. Not, okay. like, completely visible. I think that had there been some, like, detail about, like, the dust or the smoke, uh, like, making like forming, like, around the creature as the creature charged through, I think that would have been neat. Because, I don't know. It like, just it almost feels...
0: seems insubstantial. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Which leads me to, of course, my big question. And I have this about... What was it as well? Why don't you throw paint on it? Throw paint on it.
1: D- they didn't have paint. <laughs> what
0: are you talking about they didn't have paint?
1: They what were out mean? hunting. Why would they have paint on them? <laughs> okay,
0: fine. Throw like mud on it or something. Throw something. I guarantee you there is something you can I throw like, on the thing. I Especially think... in who, what was it? Where they oh, have the that, thing yeah. tied down. They, they plastered it. Eventually. But I'm like, they're like, we can't figure out what it even looks like. I'm like, pour ink on it. Pour paint on it. it's just Pour flour right. on it. Like in all right. the cartoons. Flower. Yeah, it's, <laughs> just do something. And this, I'm like, just, yes, I see what you're saying though like there seems to be an uh, like it don't you can't touch it but it can touch you yeah it does move the oats like it does there's a lot in there about the movement of the grass we'll get into this when we talk about uh uh, Algernon Blackwood's The Willows. But this part mm-hmm. reminded me of The Willows a lot. There's this, this sort of like, there's an eeriness about the landscape. This guy's out in the middle of nowhere and there's something stalking around his his yeah. land that he can't see. I just and... think,
1: yeah. Well, We'll get to that when we get to The Willows. I don't want spoilers. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know.
1: I just think that they fired guns, a gun at it. Mm-hmm. That would leave a mark. <laughs> like gunshot residue on right, the creature. or blood
0: <laughs> or something. But, yeah, uh... and,
1: you know, for the sake of whatever fine it, it, it it's clearly like the story of a man that the story happened in like thirty seconds rapid succession while this man was in shock trying to process everything. I just think it would have been neat if there had been a little spooky detail or something.
0: You wanted a few more spooky details. You wanted them to shoot it and then there's green blood on the leaves.
1: I and like then, creatures. And then, and then the main
0: guy goes, "If it bleeds, we can kill it."
1: I like creatures. I want to know more about the creatures. I liked what what it what 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 was it because they had a goblin creature. In it, it did have a
0: goblin at the end. So uh, we're currently watching. Uh, we're in the middle of season four of Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've seen season four of Stranger Things. No, I probably never will. But there's uh, people die in it by being uh, lifted up in the air and then all of their bones are broken, like Mm -hmm. their jaw and then their eyes are gouged out by something you can't see. And it's horrifying and horrific and horrifying and horrific. But it reminds me a lot of what it's like to watch this guy get destroyed by this monster. He's like bent back. Back, and the thing is mm-hmm. like tearing into his skin. It's smashing his bones. It's just tearing apart. It doesn't eat him either. It just kills him. Uh, which which makes me think of the, the goblin from what was it? Because yeah. we don't know why this thing is here. Like if it was just trying to kill him originally, it would have just killed him because it's invisible. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. need to stalk you. It just needs to kill you. Uh, and so maybe it was just trying to observe him. Maybe if he hadn't shot at it, he'd have been fine.
1: I- probably this creature didn't do anything until it was shot
0: yeah um, Uh,
1: i think that my my whole my biggest peeve with this story (laughs) is how short it is i think it would have been better if it was just a little longer and had a few more details
0: (laughs) i bet ambrose fierce would have been happy for you to say that Uh, (laughs) um
1: but i will say i really liked the last section and that was the only section that actually kind of scared me
0: it's spooky it's spooky um so uh, uh, Ambrose Bierce was asked, mm-hmm. did you rip off uh, Fitz James O'Brien's What Was It? Yeah. Is this, story of, is this story just a rip off of it? To which Ambrose Bierce said that O'Brien's monster was, this is coming to your point, O'Brien's monster was supernatural and impossible. Mm -hmm. Whereas he described, quote, a wild animal that cannot be seen because although opaque, like other animals, it is of invisible color, which I'm like, okay. Uh, But I guess I kind of see what he's saying. Yeah, Uh, Which means that O'Brien's What Was It is considered gothic horror. Mm -hmm. And the damn thing is considered science fiction horror. Yeah. Um, But what's interesting is Lovecraft kind of ran with this idea with from beyond which is about us being surrounded by entities that are kind of outside our reality but that Mm -hmm. we can't see until we get the ability to see them but also the color out of space
1: yes i was going to mention the color out of space it's like color out of space (laughs)
0: yes the idea of like a like a color that's wrong and in this case i mean pure headcanon here is the creature from this from outside our reality so instead of because like like cthulhu like all of lovecraft's creatures uh it doesn't literally exist in our world Mm -hmm. so it's not made of the it's not made of the same matter that we are so you couldn't shoot it but it could still kill you because it's from a plane above ours but also i could
1: i could accept that that i could accept
0: (laughs) but also like color out of space it's visually on a wavelength like the color out of space you can see but it's unsettling and like it doesn't work right in your eyes this thing then could be of an even worse color that instead of it being invisible, your eyes are just erasing it. Like you're just, mm-hmm. your mind won't let you see it. Like that's, that's, that's m- cool. There's see, that's my awesome. headset. which is terrifying because the thing is still out there. Like the people yeah. in this community are like, we're just—we just have to pretend it doesn't exist. Like we just have to pretend it's not there. Maybe they've run into it before. Maybe this is a thing that they all have experience with. But they're like, we don't talk about. It, like, it kills someone every it's once in a while.
1: It's just the local cryptid.
0: It's the local cryptid. It's the local whatever you call it, Skunjili man. It's just out there, like doing its thing. Uh, got it. Yeah, it's a mothman. Yeah, it's, it's just trying to warn us about the the bridge. Uh, I'm playing the
1: moth. Oh, never mind. Uh, I'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs>
0: never, never play the Mothman. He'll always figure you out.
1: Um, I wanted more of the journal entries.
0: Well, I can't help you there, but I can help you if you wanted this story to be told in Serbo-Croatian. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, because but I'm good. <laughs>
0: there's a very faithful adaptation of this that I watched. Yeah. Made for Yugoslavian television in 1975, called "Prokletinja," Prokletinja, which is Serbo-Croatian for "the damned thing." All right. Uh, it was made for Radio Television Belgrade, and uh, it's like an hour long. I, it's, it's on like it's on YouTube. It's on, uh, it's on Vimeo. Mm-hmm. No subtitle. None. So you gotta kind of just know the story going in. A lot of chatter between the two guys. uh, But it's pretty faithful. It's pretty much a faithful adaptation. But it's told linearly. It's told like from beginning to end. Um,
1: This, This story is one that I would want to see visually. Because I think there's some cool stuff that could be done with it visually. Well, so then in 2006,
0: for the TV series Masters of Horror, Toby Hooper... Mm -hmm. directed an adaptation of The Damn Thing written by not Dickie the Math Man, but Dickie the Math Man's son, Dickie the Math Man. Remember, he also has a boy named Dick Math.
1: I forgot about that.
0: Uh, Richard Christian Matheson. Uh, An adaptation of The Damn Thing that is, here's the summary, brief summary, focuses on an invisible force wrecking havoc on a man's family and town that forces the town members to kill one another and then themselves. Oh, did I mention it's only loosely based on the damn
1: thing? Oh, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs>
0: I think that, like, the beginning of the episode is essentially the damned thing and then it just mm-hmm. runs off from there uh absolutely nothing to do with the short story uh but i'm surprised this one didn't get more adaptations it's very like there's no monster yeah. so I, I could see like a, a twilight zone or a, a, a night gallery or, or something like
1: a college film student
0: <laughs> right uh yeah like because you could do this on stage yeah like it, it can this be a...
1: is this is this story is very there's very few sets mm-hmm. there's very few characters yep it's mostly just talking you
0: could make the jury the jury of men just
1: puppets yeah just have exactly. them be have them be
0: old man puppets you don't even need to cast those guys you just need the juror like the dead guy and the bu- and the boy
1: the the like scene hunting in the woods could be done, done so hauntingly
0: <laughs> yeah yeah you could have the monster played by a woman in black who appears in the shadows <sighs>
1: I was going to say the I'm I'm like down with the monsters that can't be perceived thing like that's kind of cool but I want a monster that when you look at it your brain doesn't like block it out it just creates a negative space where the creature is so you're just staring at this void that you can't comprehend that's <sighs> what I want
0: that's what people say about seeing me uh <laughs> I always liked the special effect for the predator. I always liked that he's wearing something that bends light around him, so mm-hmm. you can see where he is. But if you're not yeah. paying attention, you'll miss
1: him. I find that scarier than not being able to see something at all, because every like out of the corner of your eye, you'll occasionally right. see movement or whatever.
0: Yeah, just like in real life,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you'll occasionally. Why can it? See
1: why does it? Why does it move the plants if it doesn't? I don't understand. Oh no, I'm I'm stupid. Never mind. The damned thing. <laughs> yeah. No, I was like why because it can interact with our world but we can't interact with it so that's that's the that's, that's
0: my theory at least uh
1: even though the creature did scream when it got shot
0: the creature did scream when it got shot maybe, maybe it was it just, just mad scared <laughs> maybe it was just offended
1: i would be offended if somebody shot me when i was minding my business
0: <laughs> so ambrose Bierce also wrote uh famous stories like an inhabitant of carcosa uh which is set in the mysterious ancient land of Carcosa and is ve- much more supernatural. He wrote a very famous story called The Boarded Window, uh, which has similarities to The Damned Thing because uh, it's about an isolated incident. Um, it's, it's, I think it's set, yeah, it's also set in a cabin in the wilderness. Uh, it's about isolation and our proximity to the untamed natural world. Uh, but one of, one of Bierce's, one of Bierce's uh, most famous works uh and one that gets a lot of uh besides the devil's dictionary one that gets a lot of attention uh hold on hold on hold on uh is an occurrence at owl creek bridge Mm -hmm. uh i just i needed to make sure it was not the occurrence at owl creek bridge (laughs) i was like is it the or Anne? the or Anne? uh which was made into a very famous short film that was so good that they just took the short film uh I believe it won yeah, it won the Academy Award for live action short in nineteen sixty three. Nice. And they just they just took the entire short film and made it an episode of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Like they just like they they cut it, they cut a few minutes out, made it an episode of *The Twilight Zone*. Like that's that's like how good that movie was. Like they were just like we people they were because because uh Rod Serling was like people have to see this, like mm-hmm. people need to see this. Uh, so Be- Beerus, you know, he lives on, his works live on, he lives on as a as a as a character in his stories. Uh, uh, final final thought. Do you think do you think this would make a good episode of *Cabinet of Curiosities*?
1: I think it would. I think potentially it would my only concern would be them going too hard on the monster yeah uh i i feel like in order for this story to work the way that it works you gotta not show the monster yeah (laughs) because i think it would just end up being kind of a goofy looking whatever yeah um but i think that if they if they cut back on like the monster stuff uh that they usually do in their episodes i think this would yeah uh like the um it's 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 like the oh, what was the story? Uh we read it as well. It was the story told about the coroner who's digging in people's heads and gets possessed by an alien.
0: I think it's just called The Autopsy.
1: The Autopsy, yeah. Yeah. It would be a good, like, it, it would, I feel like whoever did that one would do a good job with this.
0: If you had a good director of psychological, mm-hmm. like, horror, but, and, like, really good at setting that mood. Yeah. Like, the first half of uh The Autopsy of Jane Doe, where you're mm-hmm. just kind of like, yeah, autopsies, is... are, autopsies are creepy. They are, uh, <laughs> yeah. There's uh, a whole
1: video game based off of them.
0: That's very true. Uh, there's a whole uh, profession based off of them. It's called Coroner. <laughs> uh, so that is The Damned Thing by Ambrose Bierce. Uh, check out more of Bierce's work. He's he's a good writer. He's he he's is, yeah. I mean he's a, he's a solid writer and a lot of his short stories are shorter than this. Like he just he gets in and gets out. He's like he's like here's my point, I've made it. I got more stuff to write. I've got more trauma to deal with. Uh, I got more ponchos to go visit. Would you call it? To
1: visit. Would you call them short stories or micro fiction?
0: So I some of them might border on micro fiction. They are that. Or flash short. fiction, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Or slash fiction. Uh he wrote a lot of he wrote a lot of Kirk Spock slash fiction. <laughs> a lot no, of that, fanfic. Before Star I Trek didn't think, even exist.
1: I do think that this story was definitely a self-insert. Oh uh, well, yeah,
0: right. Which I character? think that he is
1: all three of the characters.
0: I totally agree with you. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you. Uh so this is not the end though of our coverage of A Fabulous Formless Darkness Willow. What is the next story in the Fabulous Formless Dark?
1: Edith Wharton's Afterword.
0: Why are we reading a story? Why are we reading her afterword? For
1: funsies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a story called Afterward.
1: Yeah, it is also broken into it's sections.
0: Not, it's not Afterward. It's Afterward. Yes. Uh, it's not, yeah, it's two different One words. word. <laughs> afterward. Uh, yes, Edith Wharton. Have we read any Edith Wharton yet? Absolutely no, not.
1: Because I don't think any of our female authors get repeated in this. Maybe, did Joyce Carroll Oates have two stories? Did we have two
0: Oateses? I don't remember. I will um, check. But I am looking forward to this. I like Edith Wharton uh i like edith wharton's novels i like being able to talk about a woman uh because we don't get to that often with this with this series yeah. uh but we're trucking right along with uh with the with the uh with the uh fabulous form of darkness with the dark descent so uh, what are you looking at i don't know what you're oh, looking at
1: we we only have one joyce carol Oates. what we covered too because i wanted to cover that one oh that's story. right that is yeah right.
0: uh so willow where can our where can our listeners find you here that's right
1: where can our <laughs> listeners find me here and Yay! also uh, everywhere
0: uh all my shows are available on youtube go to go to phil gonzalez uh raffish ripoff uh, on youtube you can find deep in bear country my bear and bear podcast you uh, go to you can find pizza toast my ya books and media podcast that i do with christy admiral
1: and you can find us uh you can we're a movie podcast uh by the way
0: yeah we also do movies we just haven't done them in a while
1: yeah well because our last movie didn't work and, and then, then we were up. like okay we're just gonna read some stories and then we were like let's just finish this book before we get back into movies let's finish
0: this book we're gonna finish this book and then get back into movies don't worry we'll be back into movies i've got so many blu-rays i've bought for those movies so yeah Uh, i had to buy a dvd that's out of print in order to get (laughs) one of the movies we're gonna watch so it, Was anyway, that the one
1: that would, I, is that the one I insisted you buy because you were going to skip it?
0: I don't know. That's so long ago now. But let's not keep these nice people here any longer. We've taken up too much of their time. Too much. So we'll be back with Edith Wharton because we love her. I'm Phil.
1: And I'm Willow. And we'll see
0: you when it's, it's Del Toro, Del Toro time.
1: time. We're both Yappatron 3000s. Beep, boop. Bye-bye.